Hey folks, welcome to <clears throat> pardon me, episode number 12 of the What the Futures podcast. Hope you're having a great positive Friday. Of course, the show is brought to you by John Deere. John Deere, we su- appreciate your support. I'm going to continue to talk about Harvest Profit, uh, which is a great uh, online uh, software you can use to help with your 2024 crop planning, helps keep you organized, gets all your financials uh, in one spot. And uh, I want to highlight it again once again today because I know that 2024 crop plans are are very much up for debate right now. Harvest Profit has a what-if scenario. It takes literally seconds to create a what-if scenario of different crop types, different crop mixes. You can make multiple scenarios, see what numbers pencil out the best for your farming operation, and present those to your banker. Uh, again, Harvest Profit, uh, part of the uh, John Deere umbrella here. And uh, again, John Deere, we thank you for the support. I have a pack show. I've got uh, David with Marketplace Commodities. He's going to join me shortly. I've got um, James with the CMN Group, this Crop Management Network. We're going to talk all things fertilizer. And I also have John with Egg I3. Uh, he joins me a little bit later on in the show here as well. So, uh welcome aboard positive friday we've got a positive moment for the week for myself uh well maybe it's a little bit selfish it's not uh, not trying to make this a brag here um but we bought a camper this week a, a used camper all right it's not brand new it's a 2016 uh but it's got the bunk beds it has a little slide out and finally a, a bed a queen bed that i can uh, sleep on we love camping okay um, but with the kids uh, we we wanted to upgrade here a little bit and I've been looking at campers for like a year and uh, they just kept dropping in price and so uh, finally pulled the trigger on a deal this week and have upgraded uh, we had uh, like an 85 prowler and then we went to a, a 2004 pioneer uh, now we've got the 2016 and uh, with any luck, I'll have to upgrade my truck as well. Fingers crossed. We'll uh, we'll see. Uh, all right, uh, that's it for positive moment of the week. Um, I I continue to look for a couple of farmers to to come join me on the podcast. Of course, we'll record this from the comfort of your home or wherever you are. Uh, but I've got a volunteer from Saskatchewan. I'm still looking for Manitoba and Alberta and the Peace Region. Um, so hit me up, Ryan, at what the futures podcast, uh, .ca, and uh, I would love to get a few more people uh, for our roundtable discussions uh, for throughout the year. So if you want more details, send me a note, and I'll get those uh, over to you. Uh, of course, so you can interact with the show many different ways, and one way is through our text line at one 606 1889 That's how you can get entered to win. Uh, potentially win a uh, a trip uh, to Nashville for two people. All you have to do is text Nashville. That'll get you entered. We'll draw for that later in March. But it's, of course, sponsored. The text line is sponsored by Pioneer Seeds, our friends over at Tower Farms, Jacob and Becky. And we're going to give away another bag of P516L right behind me here, another bag next week. So all you have to do is text that number. You get entered in to potentially win this bag of canola seed next week. You also get entered in to potentially win a trip for two to Nashville, Tennessee, Music City uh, later on in in March is when we draw for that. 
Uh, all right. Of course, we're on Facebook, Instagram, X, YouTube. Uh, find us at whatthefuturespodcast.ca. That's the website. And like or subscribe. It helps me out, makes the show more relevant. And um, and with that, uh, keeps us more relevant as well. So appreciate all the communication. And again, a few emails from growers, a couple text messages. I know the last couple episodes, um, you know, not they were, you know, tougher, I guess, when markets are bearish they're tougher to 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 record and to hear but um i do appreciate the feedback and the comments and the interaction and if i can help in any way uh, i certainly uh, like helping as well um all right now i wanted to talk about a, uh basically a, a some content here that's i'm a little bit sensitive towards okay and i'm sensitive towards it because i myself have been involved in some of these contracts and uh, they have turned out in some scenarios not great, even horrible, okay? So these are these fancy contracts. What, what happened today is is that um, that Bungie sent out a message and I'm not, no, I'm not picking on Bungie here, but they sent out, it was about a, an accumulator. So it was um, how does 14.99 canola for June, July delivery how's that sound uh call the office ask about an accumulator option structure that can net you that 14.99 a bushel okay that's fine and dandy but uh i want you to just be a little bit careful okay so let's set this up real quick farmers reluctant to sell much uh grain farmers um pardon me grain companies trying to be creative you know, they could improve basis and get you a better cash price. You know, that would be good. That would help. But trying to figure out how to buy those bushels that you don't want to sell. And uh, they get to these numbers that psychologically feel just a little bit better. Okay. But there's a catch. Remember, nothing is free. Okay. So, hello, Mr. and Mrs. Farmer. I have a deal for you. I'm going to give you 20, 25, 30 cents a bushel. Better than the posted bid. A nice shiny number. But I want something in return. And what I want is more bushels, okay? Now, these contracts, they have all different names, all different brands. It can be called an accumulator. It can be called a premium offer. It could be um, uh, a bonus offer. They've got all sorts, and they change the names on them all the time. And I can't speak for what this accumulator is even going to do. But when you're getting that premium, just make sure you know what's on the backside of this contract because usually you're committing more bushels at a set price. Now, this works in a declining market. Don't get me wrong. The market trades lower. You're probably fine. Again, seek the advice of a professional. But if the market rallies, which is my experience, it has been my experience, it's 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 ugly. It's never 25 cents a bushel. It's never I commit and get... 10 or 25 cent premium and and it triggers and i'm only 25 cents out of the market when it triggers i'm usually a buck or two or five out of the market uh, that happened back in 2020 2021 i've had this experience back further back in my career those of you that would have worked with me there's a couple of you shaking your heads right now saying those darn contracts right because um we experienced it a, a couple of times and sometimes the, the juice isn't worth the squeeze, if that's the saying. So just be careful. Know what you're getting into. And they're playing on your psychology. They're playing on the emotion of getting that better price 
but what are you tying yourself into? And, and make sure you have the paperwork, make sure that everybody's accountable. The farmer, the, the grain buyer, everybody needs to be accountable to what you're signing and what you're signing up for. Know what you're signing up for and make sure you're comfortable with the back end of this, okay? I know you're good with the front end because you're agreeing to it, but what's on the back end and make sure you're comfortable because if it triggers, there's a very good chance the market is higher, sometimes significantly higher. And honestly, folks, I'd rather see you sell your grain and buy calls or something like that, something that just opens up your upside than, uh, than get caught in some of these strange uh, contracts that happen out there. So anyways, folks, uh, that's my, my soapbox here for episode 12. Um, let's turn it over now. I'm going to get uh, David Lee's going to join us. Uh, we're going to talk to David like three in a row. David, James, we've got John. And at the end, I'll, I'll just give you a little bit of news update uh, if we've got anything to talk about there. And we'll get to our veggies at the very end as well. Uh, all right, folks, let's turn it over to David Lee. All right, I've got David Lee with Marketplace Commodities joining us here once again. If I recall, David, the last time we connected, there wasn't a lot of positivity in our conversation <laughs> when it came to prices. So <laughs> let's see if we can do a let's see if we can do a little better today, Ryan. <laughs> I have my doubts, but we'll see. We'll see where we get. So I know you've been uh, you've been traveling. Uh, to a couple of farm shows, it sounds like. You've been out and about a little bit. Uh, why don't you tell us about your travels? What are you hearing? Uh, what's the hot uh, hot gossip out there? And uh, what could you share with us? Sure. Well, I don't know about hot gossip, but uh, we can certainly give it a go here. Uh, we uh, Marketplace commodities, um, we've been attending and doing more business out of, uh, you know, our proximity here in Lethbridge is very close to Montana. Mm -hmm. So I recently attended in Great Falls, Montana, the what's called the Maggie Grain Conference there. It's very much like an ag expo. Uh, we did we did attend another one back in November as well. And, uh, you know, I mean, the the message is quite similar down there. OK, uh, they're you know the sellers on barley i mean i'm mainly a feed grain trader so uh you know they they do a lot more malt barley down there and uh so our main products that we'll buy out of the us are if if the malt barley is rejected and or or it's low protein wheat uh yeah. in those scenarios it'll come up here into the feed market and quite surprisingly uh they're you know they have had some issues with their barley and you know we've we've been seeing barley come up here even at these levels which which surprises me okay um you know you quote a guy four dollars a bushel at the bin us dollars a bushel at the bin and you know they're not very excited about it but they generally do you know i i came back and i was surprised to see quite a few contracts entered at in and around those levels and so sure. uh i i did hear that uh some of the larger companies like chs and and a few of the larger grain companies uh have had challenge shipping their barley down into mexico okay and uh actually because of the the issues with uh immigrants and whatnot jumping on the trains uh, they've had to back that off for for probably the next one to two months 
And so from that, we actually have seen an increase in barley coming up here. And even a few of those larger companies selling some of their spot positions. And I think that has kind of put a little more pressure on the feed market lately. It's it's kind of pulled cash Lethbridge from, from maybe a little above $300 a ton to a little below $300 a ton, which which, you know, interestingly enough, the last time that we spoke, I, I was a little concerned about that. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it looks like that has happened. Uh, so anyway, but, uh, but yeah, interesting to be on the other side of the border for sure, for, you know, for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, they kind of have a different perspective on their marketing than we do. So. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Similar proximity, still slightly different worlds. Um, are you we I know we chatted on the phone a couple of weeks ago and uh, we were I was yeah we were talking about selling are you seeing is farmer selling pretty quiet right now is it picked up lately um what's going on on the selling side for western canadian growers yeah uh, you know Ryan it's uh I would call it relatively slow on the western canadian side yeah um and, and, and usually that would be a signal that you would be getting close to a market bottom. Um, and, and it might be, I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, but I just haven't seen an increase in demand to come in either. Like, let me give you an example. So, so this week, you know, getting near the end of the month as, as traders, we're trying to shore, shore up positions to see who of our customers still needs to take grain. And probably 95% of my calls this week have been trying to get guys to take their grain. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, not, not pulling contracts early. You know, we had a, a yeah. good cold snap for 10 days. So I thought, well, maybe guys will clear out some of their storage and I'll get those phone calls coming in saying, hey, David, can you, can you add, you know, can you add another 10 loads for next week? Uh, unfortunately it's been, it's still been the opposite. Okay. Um, which concerns me a little bit because now next week here in Lethbridge, we're looking at moving into, to double digit plus temperatures again. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, there may be demand that comes in. It just hasn't come in quite yet. So we have Western Canada slow. Slow to sell, slow to move. Yep. Overall, just very quiet. Willing participants, more willing from the U.S. to make sales, if if anything. And so, <clears throat> where are we where are we trending right now then for price? Is it um, still working a little bit lower this week, or staying kind yeah. of quiet? So right now in in Lethbridge, anyway, for barley, we're seeing it trading in and around. Two eight, like the bids are somewhere in at around $285 a ton, which is about where we have our bid today. And they're, you know, the, the offers that we're making are anywhere between about the low 290s to mid 295s. If you go out to springtime, I might call it more of like a, like a 290 to 295 market. There really yeah. isn't a lot of carry. Um, I was told from one of my end users today, they had offers lined up from uh, the line companies at around a 297. So, and that's for the springtimes for uh, like for a 
April, May, June, July timeframe. So okay. guys are really trying to get ahead of, of the market, so to speak. Um, usually green companies like myself are very reluctant to sell forward into the April, May, June, July. And, and I, and I am reluctant. I, mm -hmm. I, you know, but if, if you miss out on the volume, it's, it's tricky to get that in later if it, yep. if all, if a lot of the space gets taken, but at the same time, you know, I am worried because I'm not seeing a lot of the, like you say, the Western Canadian farmer participation in this. So yeah, it makes for some slow days. Yeah, for sure. Is, is there anything that <clears throat> maybe stands out from a, a better price perspective right now? Anything you trade that, that is getting a little bit of action or is looking yeah. a little better? Yeah, like um, like like for example, I've I've chatted with you a little bit here on uh, on the soft white wheat, mm -hmm. uh, yep. particularly like a like a little better grade soft white wheat that would make a number two spec. Uh, you know, you can still at the bin get you know kind of that eight dollars, maybe maybe call it eight to eight and a quarter, just depending on where you're located, sure. kind of at the bin values. Uh, the wheat basis has remained actually quite steady. I would say, uh, in mm -hmm. fact, it's 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 strengthened in the in the face of declining futures, and we've seen that on uh, milling hard red spring all the way into feed wheat. Uh, like in Lethbridge, if barley is trading, call it two ninety today. Feed wheat, I would say, is three fifteen to three twenty. So we're seeing quite a spread, you know, a thirty dollar spread, which normally we see about a five dollar spread. So. Right. Uh, so that basis on wheat, I, you know, if 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 it was me and I had wheat to sell versus barley, you know, I, I might lean a little bit more toward the wheat right now myself. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, that lines up with uh, some of the comments I had last week as well. I uh, how about for new crop in when you chat with growers in like the southern part of Alberta or Saskatchewan, when it comes to acres for twenty twenty four. Are you seeing anything that stands out from an acreage perspective, like a whole bunch of something or way less of something else? Does anything really stand out yet? Uh, not so much. I have seen, uh, um, you know, I have heard talk with the barley prices being under pressure like they are maybe mm -hmm. not as much barley going in. Uh, I've heard that. Mm -hmm. um, there's definitely concern, like the snowpack levels out here in Alberta are still I mean, we've had a great, we've had a great snowfall recently here. Yeah. Uh, and I was looking at the snowpack charts in the mountains, you know, we're still under that two standard deviation line. Um, we still need quite a bit more moisture yeah. and, and that's not just saying that, oh yeah, it comes later in the spring because this is, this is looking at it over time. So you know, as of right now, compared to previous years, right now we are still well below. Okay. So if that continues, uh, I think there's two scenarios here. Um, if we get to April and we haven't seen some more significant moisture, I think that does set the stage for maybe being the story that creates a bit of a rally. Myself. Uh, so if there is a silver lining, that's probably the silver lining right now. Mm -hmm. If, if we can, you know, if all of a sudden we do get some, some serious moisture and we even get above that lower two standard deviation level, 
I think the rally could be fairly muted even into the springtime with some of this forward selling from the grain companies I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, that's great perspective. Um, <clears throat> anything for new crop bids that stands out on, yeah, anything for next fall? Well, with the snow, I mean, we have seen them moderate a little bit. They were in Lethbridge here, they were up in and around the 315 level to start the year. Then, mm -hmm. like a week, call it two weeks ago, just before the, the snow came in, I was pro I had bids in the 308 level. Okay. And today they're probably hovering in and around the 300 level. Okay. So, yep. so we have seen them moderate, but they're still probably $10 over old crop spot bids, yep. which is unusual. Generally we see new crop trading or, or bids 40 to $50 under old crop. Yep. So, so there, that says to me, there is still concern over the moisture levels. Fair enough. Okay. Awesome. Well, um, lots of great information there, David. Um, glad you had a great time down in Montana. Yeah, and um, next time we have you on the show next month, maybe there'll be something really exciting and bullish we can talk about. You never know. So <laughs> we'll see. But you uh, appreciate you coming on. So take yeah, care. Thank you very much, Ryan. You bet. Take care. All right, folks. So as David said, uh, looks like uh, barley values are uh, just kind of struggling along here. Wheat prices, wheat basis uh, staying firm, even improving a little bit. From a price perspective this week, I I know I updated you on on Tuesday. A lot changed. I noticed that uh, spring wheat bids, uh, CPS red bids, those strengthened a little bit spring wheat futures uh finally uh shouldn't say finally but working above that seven dollar uh futures march futures level and uh, with that we did see some uh some targets hitting across the prairies uh i know that we saw um you know stuff around the nines in a lot of areas not every area but a lot of areas Unfortunately, canola is on the decline here. A big uh, steep drop today, down about 10 bucks. Uh, this after a flurry of activities on the recommendation side, multiple firms making old crop recommendations and even some new crop recommendations as well. Um, and here pulling back about 10 bucks. The trend remains about the same, folks. It's uh, not a whole bunch upside and certainly uh, on the downtrend. I haven't seen anything that really stands out uh, towards the end of the week here on canola prices. Um, so yeah, uh, I think that that's uh, about it from the price perspective here. Uh, so now let's change gears. Let's talk fertilizer. We have a new guest joining us and uh, I will let uh, James take it away. All right, folks, I am happy to welcome our next guest in here because he is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to fertilizer markets. And if I just put a couple of thoughts together here real quick, crop plans are a little bit in flux. Uh, prices, commodity prices trending lower. Uh, I just, I'm wondering if there's a lot of farm decisions that need to be made yet when it comes to fertilizer. So without further ado, I welcome James Mitchell from the Crop Management Network. James, welcome to the What the Futures podcast. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Really appreciate you having me on. 
Yeah, you bet. I I believe, James, back in my consulting days, did you do a grower presentation for me at a golf course? Yeah, the coal, at the Coal Creek Golf Course, you bet. Yep, that is a great track. If, if anyone's listening and wants to get a, a great round of golf in, uh, just head a little bit east of Edmonton, a little bit north of Camrose, and uh, there's a great track there at Coal Creek. All right, James, we... Uh, we have a lot that we could talk about here when it comes to fertilizer. You're the expert. You're the one with all the knowledge. Why don't you do a quick little intro of yourself and your company, and then we'll get into it. So tell us about you. Sure. Uh, I'm the CEO of the Grot Management Network. We're an independent retail chain in central Alberta with 12 locations. We've been in uh, business since 2007. Awesome. And uh, yeah. We're awesome. also a joint venture with Solio Agriculture. Okay. Awesome. 12 locations, so keeping you busy and on your toes. I know uh, you've done a lot of investment uh, in, in the area as well uh, over the last number of years. So very efficient uh, facility. So that's great to see. Um, all right. Let's get into fertilizer. Where do you want to start? Uh, I'll turn it over to you. Sure. I think the uh, I think the theme of fertilizer right now, and I'll start talk specifically to phosphates is there is a big concern about getting enough phosphate into Western Canada before spring. Okay. Uh, we've seen grower deferral, obviously with crop plans in flux, as you mentioned, commodity prices trending down, growers not feeling there's uh, the value in stepping in and locking in the price now, but spring is coming closer all the time. We're you know, mm -hmm. 45 days to D-Day really for a retailer to have position product in hand. Right. So we have a lot of work to do on phosphates. There's not a warehouse in Western Canada that's full of phosphate right now, I would say. Okay. And we're seeing delays on our part from rail coming up from the US. And obviously no more phosphate production in Canada. So we're right. totally reliant on imports now. Right, I anything from like a logistics perspective here lately and over, the last number of, of years even, it hasn't been easy. Look at all like the conflict going on around the world and the major uh, transportation hubs or seaways or waterways, everything is is uh, under attack or there's pain points or stress points there. And uh, so phosphate is, is kind of feeling that right now from what you're telling us. Absolutely. We have had lots of domestic, and when I say domestic, U.S. production issues. Uh, okay. Multiple suppliers, I think, are still feeling the pain from COVID and not having their plant maintenance up to snuff. So every supplier in the U.S. has had some plant problems. You throw that, the U.S. has a countervailing duty on imports from Morocco and Russia. Mm -hmm. They're not directing product at the U.S. anymore. So trade flows have had to try to refigure themselves. And right now, honestly, North America is the most expensive phosphate in the world. We're paying upwards of $100 US short, more than a farmer in Brazil would. And that's okay. strictly because countries with CVDs refuse to send product to the US until those CVDs are removed. And there's just a ruling uh, late yesterday that's saying uh, there's an appeal going on. And the first step of that appeal uh, looks like the CVDs are going to be in place again for another year at least. So... Okay. There's going to be there's going to be pain in place for phosphate for sure from today till the end of May, mm -hmm. uh, and then 
we will see a reset of phosphates, not as low as they could be without the CVDs. Right. So if I'm hearing you right, and I know things can change, and as we tell listeners, you know, well, we do our best with information we have today, but in your opinion, is there, a, is there any benefit left to wait to book your FOSS, or is this something that you need to kind of speak for to, to get your product in place? Is there anything that just makes you think that it would make sense to wait yet? Absolutely not on phosphates. No, okay. I mean, we had, we had issues and several of if, issues of retails running out of phosphate last spring. Yep. Uh, in central Alberta, you know, we were able to step in and help a number of growers to get through the spring being as their retailers just logistically couldn't either didn't have it or couldn't get it to themselves. So, uh, and this year shaping up to be worse and quite a bit worse. Okay. Okay. Well, folks, uh, if you need to pause the podcast right now and make a phone call, go for it. But uh, <laughs> appreciate that, James. Um, how about nitrogen? Uh, what are you seeing on the nitrogen side? Yeah, we've seen a lot of increases globally on nitrogen in the last two weeks. Uh, Middle East product is definitely leading the charge higher. Some of that's logistical costs because of the Red Sea conflict that's happening right now. Yeah. Um, but we are definitely seeing urea, all nitrogens trend higher right now. And it looks like we're going to, they're going to continue to rise. I would say um, they're going to not be as high priced as, you know, in relativity to phosphate. Phosphate's going to take the biggest jump. Okay. Right? Urea will take the second biggest jump, but um, lots of delayed purchasing in North America again. And that's led dealers to, withhold filling their sheds and now we're getting close to spring the u.s needs to attract a lot of urea and the only way to do that is they're competing with other countries so they're raising okay. their raising their bids at nola right now so we're seeing nola track just about the 350 us a short so when we're looking at import perspectives now that's into the you know the lower 700s so mm -hmm. we're going to continue to see urea tick up domestic suppliers are going to obviously compete with imports, but it wouldn't surprise me if we saw urea retailing in parts of Western Canada for close to $800 by spring. Okay. And, and that uh, factors can change each and every year, but for prices to trend higher for urea now into spring, that's, that's pretty normal, right? In, in some sense to see prices track higher. So um, yeah, I think that that makes sense for me anyway. Um, how about, so this conflict in the Red Sea, um, is, is that the big one then for fertilizer? Is it the Red Sea uh, issues we have going on? Or is there something else that, that is more important um, when it comes to logistics? I mean, Red Sea is one factor of it. Um, there's a lot of freight. I think 12% of the, the bulk freight globally runs through the Red Sea and the Suez Canal. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's definitely, you know, you're seeing ships either uh, divert to go around the Cape Good Hope, which adds, you know, 25% to their sailing time, or, or you see uh, insurance rates on vessels go up. So freight rates are driving prices higher. But there's, for me, there's never just one thing, it seems like it, everything just piles on when things go bad. And so in Western Canada, we've seen yeah. about 300,000 tons of lost production due to, to planned and unplanned outages at plants. Okay. You know, again, I think that's a lot of still playing catch up from COVID and maintenance issues that haven't been fully looked after yet. Um, 
So you have that, you have the Red Sea issues, you have the issues on the Mississippi where they've been battling low water levels Yep. for the whole last year. So obviously those are higher barge rates, lower drafts, so they're not hauling as much per tow. So, and there's a lot of urea left to place in the U.S. in inland terminals. And then, you know, they have to wait for river open, which is typically in March sometime, but you know, they can have high water, they can have low water, they can have good navigation. Mm-hmm. So in, in my opinion, it's, you know, the deferral has been going on and there's a lot of decisions that still need to be made. But um, at some point as a risk manager, you have to start considering whether I can get it or not. And as a, right. as a dealer, we're seeing signs of a large correction coming out of spring. We're going to manage our inventories extremely tight. So we're not taking write downs at the end of season. Right. So, you know, it's all kind of, it's stacking up to be an interesting spring. It's that fine, that trying to figure out that balance. Right. And, and yeah, you know, if you're going to see that correction or you expect potentially to see a correction, it's, it, it gets tough for everybody for sure. Um, so the U S has to attract more tonnage, uh, more urea, like where would they, where would they get that from? Like who's going to export that to them? Uh, well, the U S is a big buyer of Russian urea, which obviously is excluded from Canada. Our government has a 35% tariff on Russian urea. That's not coming to Canada, but you know, they're going to attract Middle East tons. So Saudi Arabia, Qatar, um, who else here? Oman, Algeria, Saudi Arabia. So, you know, all of those producers could be impacted by what's going on in the Middle East right now. It's, it's a very volatile place and, you know, it seems like more times than not, there's conflict in the Middle East. I did a, a research and I went back to 1902. And from 1902 today, there's been documented 70 conflicts in the Middle East over over oil, over human wow. rights, whatever you want to call it. But, yep. you know, it's a very volatile place. And they represent 50% of the world's exportable urea. And it's more often than not, they're going to influence a price direction. Yeah. I'm really not hearing a lot of reasons for prices to drop here in our conversation. So, uh, yeah, um, yeah, that that group is, uh, yeah, there's definitely some volatility there. Um, okay, let's turn the tables a little bit here. If we've got, how about spring logistics for for us in Western Canada? Um, we have to get the product in place, uh, of course. But anything from a logistics standpoint that you can touch on here in Western Canada? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, last year it felt like for our retail group, and we have our own trucks, by the way, so we mm-hmm. try to minimize any interference with our business. But last year it felt like that ELD and some of the rules of service or hours of service the trucks have to maintain really bit last year because truck logistics was horrible. And when I say horrible, there wasn't enough trucks to move the product in time. Now, a lot of Western Canada all was seating at the same time. But right. lineups at the plants were were crazy, like eight eight hour lineups. So you're eating up sixty percent of your your hours of service in a line, not even driving. And you know, Alberta yeah. finished earlier than say east than Western Manitoba, and we ended up at the end of season sending sending our trucks out to Manitoba to help dealers out there. And that's we've never had to do that before. Yeah. So the the whole truck thing. I mean, we're seeing less drivers all the time. Demand is still rampant for truck freight. So 
logistics are getting tighter all the time and yeah less truckers it's it's a problem yep you bet um a couple more from me here as well um so do you have a, a sense overall of farmers in your region do they have their fertilizer kind of booked right now do you have a sense on what that number could look like is there a lot to book yet is it below normal i'm feeling it probably is but what are you seeing on that side yeah a little geography dependent but as an average there has been grower deferral we're probably 15 percent less booked this time than a year ago so um there's a lot of decisions getting made daily now and i think yep you know growers are recognizing springs coming and you know there's enough information on social media showing that prices are starting to trend higher you know um so there's going to be activity now and i think kind of leads to the snowball effect too because then inventories are going to get sold off dealers are going to look to replenish stocks and on and i'll go back to phosphate again it's very hard to come by right for us to buy wholesale phosphate right now there's not a lot of sellers Fair enough. Every time you go back uh, to the well to buy, it's going to be higher and higher, it sounds like. Okay. Uh, what do you have for advice then for growers tuning into the podcast today? Any advice you'd like to share? Yeah. Uh, obviously, if you haven't bought yet, you need to make a plan sooner than later and uh, you need to communicate with your dealer so they can get product in place. And And honestly, I feel like there will be time in the next 60 days that some dealers might just put the sold out sign on the door because of the risk of carrying inventory. Okay. So it's, it's important to make your plan and, you know, I'll maybe throw a question back to you. It seems like there's a lot of grain in farmers bins right now, and they're trying to make the decision cash flow wise. What do I do? Do I sell now and use that money to buy inputs? Tough decision. Yeah, it is. It is. And it obviously we're, We've all been getting beat up here for depending on how far back you want to go, but definitely since the fall. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, in a way, everyone's waiting for the same event to happen to rally prices, which is a weather scare of some sort or a weather event in the spring. And we have to get there yet. Like it's the end of January here as we're recording of 2024. So we like we have to get there. And it's it's a tough market. I, if it were me, um, I would kind of separate out the decisions a little bit where I would generate my cash, get some sales on, and if possible on the commodity, I would just visit re-ownership strategies. And again, folks, seek out the advice of a professional on this, but uh, there are ways to generate that cash, clean out those bins, and still participate in a market that you may view as bullish down the road. But James, I don't like the scenario for the next six weeks here, maybe longer. Like I I view this market as being in a bearish trend that maybe accelerates a little bit yet over the next little while. Because I, I do see farms that need to generate cash and, and do need to get some of those bins cleaned out. So there's going to be more sellers and... Uh, I just don't know what's going to be bullish right now for us. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> any Anything else? Any final thoughts for us today on fertilizer markets? Uh, 
you know, I'll, I'll give my, my my prognostication. I think I said urea. I think will sell between uh, seven seventy five and eight hundred dollars by spring. Mm-hmm. And do you think phosphates go over twelve hundred dollars uh, per metric ton for, uh, for spring pickup prices? Uh, potash and lots of supply there, and, and just trending sideways. It has a six in front of it, and and sulfates have a five in front of it. Uh, if nitrogen really takes off, that'll drag sulfur higher. Just strictly due to yep. the nitrogen content there. So uh, all in all, I think there's some value into buying today and not waiting till spring. Perfect. Well, we appreciate your uh, candid answers, uh, you know, talking about some of the big factors influencing price, talking about price and price direction. Uh, appreciate uh, you being up front with all that. So James, thanks so much for joining the What the Futures podcast today. I hope to have you back here in the near future. Um, you know, maybe in a couple months we can talk about how everything's lined up for fantastic logistics for the spring or something like that, but, uh, or maybe a big grain rally, grain price rally, but, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, and, uh, we'll certainly talk to you again real soon. Have a, a great, uh, winter here and, and the best getting all your fertilizer in place. Great. Thanks for having me again. Well, that was great to have James on the show. I, uh, I'm assuming if you have yet to make your fertilizer decisions, you're probably going to play that one through a couple of times. Uh, just a pile of information there, great information. And it uh, looks like uh, it's time, if you haven't already, it's time to commit to uh, some fertilizer purchases here uh, sooner than later. Uh, so, you know, we'll uh, see if we can get James on again in, in a couple months here and just give us a, another refresh or a recap. And uh, I tell you what piques my uh, my interest is that correction after after seeding. That that's a normal, uh, I'd say, a normal correction where prices decline. Um, but I'll be very curious because uh, uh, folks that know me uh, know that I like to watch the fertilizer market and I like to give my opinion on on when to buy or to consider buying some tonnage. So I'll be watching that very very closely. Uh, all right, uh, last guest of today, uh, of course I. I'm uh, super thrilled to have uh, Egg I3 as a sponsor of the show. And uh, for this week, I had uh, the pleasure of having John join me. So uh, we'll take it away here, John. All right, folks, I've got John DeVos with Egg I3 joining me on the What the Futures podcast. Welcome to the show, John. How are you doing today? Very good. How are you? I'm doing good. I uh, I got the barbecue fired up today, so it's nice and warm here. Gonna uh, I haven't been able to barbecue for a few for barbecue for a few weeks, so excited about that. Um, yeah, thanks for joining the show, man. I uh, I would like if you could, uh, why don't you do a little intro of yourself and and what you're up to? Sure. Um, so John DeVos, yeah, the uh, director at AGI Three, director of the uh, sales and distribution here. Um, my background, I come from farming background, grew up on a mixed farm in Manitoba and, uh, been working in the industry in the, you know, with the line companies for basically ever since university. So it's over 20 years now. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, just recently I'm, uh, let's see, end of November. Um, I saw this little company called Ag I3 coming to life and had a look at what they're what they're into, what they're offering. And it, uh, intrigued me. And, you know, I find, um, you know, in terms of what I see in the market, there's some issues in terms of what 
you know, what growers, um, the options that they have for managing the risks on the farm and mm -hmm. something that I find interesting for whatever reason. And, um, yeah, I just figured it was time for a change. So I, I came on board and, um, I've been really impressed with, uh, you know, what I've, what I've seen here since I came on board. So. Awesome. Well, you're, you're a farmer, right? So you, you feel it every day about what, what feels good on the risk management side, what doesn't feel good. And obviously there's a gap in your bones here and, and you're coming to help fill that gap. So that's great. Let's talk a little bit more about Ag-I3 for a second. Like, uh, you know, we're seeing more and more about Ag-I3 out there. Well, what's going on? Like, what can you tell well, us about it today? Um, Ag-I3, it's a risk, um, enterprise risk management company. Uh, with a platform that's focused on delivering crop insurance in a new and novel way. So, um, so AI is kind of the, you know, the, you know, the, the big word these days, and it does okay. use some of the latest technology in the modeling and stuff like that. So, um, you know, growers can see for themselves when they jump on board, it's, you know, we got a platform where they can see their farm and the fields around it and they can, uh, basically just pick their fields and, um, pick their crop plan, put their crop plan in and, uh, click to the, you know, get a quote screen and right then and there, you can get a quote on what your, um, you know, insurance rates would be for different coverage levels and different mm -hmm. dollar amounts. So it's a very slick way to, um, basically get another option, which guys are looking for on how to protect their crop for, um, you know, whatever mother nature throws at you for causing damage to your yields. So, um, I, I'd also add, I think, you know, important for folks to understand is, um, uh, you know, a key partner for us is Definity Financial. So none of this is really possible unless you have a solid backer. And uh, Definity mm -hmm. is one of the oldest and largest property casualty uh, insurers in Canada. So uh, they're a key partner. Um, folks might know them by the economical or sonnet brands in the marketplace. So, okay, uh, yeah, it's That's uh, awesome. It's, it's great. Yeah. So from an insurance perspective, risk management perspective, you know, it's end of January here. Is there anything farmers could be doing right now? Would yeah. So, um, you know, it's a great time for planning, right? I mean, we're, we're, you know, over the, the Christmas rush and, the, and New Year's and that, and, and uh, it's cold outside. I mean, it's a bit warmer today, but um, it's a good time to, uh, you know, get through the, the paperwork and the books and the planning and looking ahead, you know, what's, uh, you know, what, what's the crop prices, what's the, uh, you know, what crops are going to pay the bills for the coming year and how do I plan for that? So, yep. um, excellent time to be having conversations. What we find for us is, um, you know, we're trying to get our name out there, try to understand or have growers understand who we are and what we offer. And, and so we've been, you know, going to the trade shows. We just came off of ag days and we're gearing up for, um, crop connect and, um, and farming smarter. So, um, you know, we try to hit as many as we can and just talk to as many growers as we can. So just getting the word out right now. Sounds good. And if a grower wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way they can do that? Uh, they can shoot me an email, john.devos at agi3.ai. Um, or they can just go to our uh, webpage and there's a contact us form there. So very easy. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate you joining me today, John, giving us a little bit of an overview on what's going on with AgI3. I've got my AgI3 hat on as well today. AgI3 coming on board as a uh, sponsor to the What the Futures podcast. So excited to have 
the whole team there. And of course, John, we work together a little bit. I dabble uh, with Egg Guy Three as well on a on a day to day level. So uh, thanks for joining me, sir. And uh, we will certainly stay in touch. I've got a lot more Egg Guy Three content coming in the near future. So thanks for joining us, man. Take care. Thanks, Ryan. Catch you later. So that does it for this week, folks. Episode 12 in the can. I hope everybody has a great weekend. I'm actually going to get a little recording done here on Saturday. Uh, I have Christy Friesen from Rebellion Farms joining me tomorrow, uh, Saturday. We're going to talk uh, about what it, what you go through when a grain company uh, or whoever has bought your grain doesn't pay you in a timely fashion we're gonna hash that out here and i'll put that out as a special episode in the next week or so Uh, but that's it folks for this week stay safe out there i'm out